1: We're in the abundant life, and sometimes we get in the abundant life, and all of a sudden, the victorious Christian says, You know what? I'm being pretty victorious. I don't need you any longer, God. Ooh, rough place to be. Rough place to be. I need to be conquered by God. I need to be on my face before Him and saying, Lord, speak to your servant. What do you want me to do? I'm your your servant, Lord. You're in charge. I'm not. It's a missing element for many of us in the victorious Christian life. We need to be conquered by God.
0: The story of God's leading of Israel into Canaan is one of victories and defeats. Because we have the scriptures, we're able to see the reasons behind the defeats. Pastor Dave will be teaching about those and telling us the danger we face in trying to win God's victories in our lives using our own power and strength. Now here's Pastor Dave with part two of today's message, Radical Obedience.
1: Look at verse 2a. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua... Make flint knives for yourself. I can just see Joshua standing there right now. All right, now we're going to war. Woo! All right, finally, get the knives out. We're going to war. Come on, guys. Here we go. War time. This is going to be great. I'm sure, the Lord would have to say, "Hold on there a second, fella. Just a slight minute. Not quite time to fight." Did he not hear the second part of the command? And circumcised the sons of Israel again for the second time. Excuse me? This, this had to be a daunting task to Joshua. Now remember, let's, let me try to set the scene for you if I could, please. We already talked about the vast majority of people, all right? We talked about them, probably two million or so men alone. And we don't know how many of them were fighting age. We don't know how many of them were warriors. None of them are over 40 years old. Remember that. Not one of them is over 40 years old because they're the ones who were born after they left Egypt, right? Joshua's 80 now. And he's going to go up to these guys. Uh, I got some good news and I got some bad news. They could have overtaken him in a heartbeat. They could have thrown him out. But see... I go back to what had happened earlier. God exalted Joshua. God made Joshua to the people where they would fear him, where they would accept his commands, as radical as they may be. I wonder how long he had to talk to some of the guys. You want to do what? To where? I mean, can you imagine? I got to give it to Joshua. So he made flint knives in verse three for himself, and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins, which is called Gilbreth Haraloth, H A A R A L O F Haraloth. And then he gives a reason; he gives a clear reason why God had commanded this in. Verse 4. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt, who were males, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they'd come out of Egypt. For all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed. Because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. To whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land of the Lord had sworn to their fathers that he would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. And Joshua circumcised their sons whom he raised up in their place. For they had were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were all healed. Circumcision, this powerful, powerful act, this powerful, powerful covenant as a way of consecrating the men, as a way of making them different, as a way of consecration. They're not like other nations. It's shouting to the world, I listen to God and I do what he says. He's my God. They stepped out in this faithful, radical obedience, and they identified themselves as being one of the Lord's people. Remember one of the things that he wanted to do when he took them out of Egypt. You will be my people, and I will be your God. Sometimes the Lord asks us to do radical things for him. Sometimes he asks us to do things that seem bizarre, that seem crazy. And he wants us to have that same radical-like faith to be able to step out on faith, and on the thing that seems nothing there. We know that circumcision was the cutting off of the flesh. We know it symbolizes doing away with the fleshly life and the worldly life and being consecrated solely to the Lord. It was a way of dying to self and living for God that we know. But this was basically suicidal from a military standpoint because it book about eight days for them to recover they can see Jericho from where they are they can see it it rises up there it is in all its glory they can see it and if they can see that Jericho Jericho must be able to see them I don't know if they had binoculars back then but they had to have spies out you realize how vulnerable these millions of people are at this time talk about radical obedience talk about radical faith I mean, sometimes we can get one person to have a radical faith like that, and they go out and hundreds and hundreds get saved. Can you imagine millions with a radical faith like this? Millions? It's a great story that you should read for yourself in Genesis 34. After Jacob's daughter was raped, Simeon and Levi go into the city, and they make buddies with the cities. And they make like they want to make up with the people. And the guy who raped the daughter was going to marry the daughter. Well, they say, you have to be circumcised first. And all the men get circumcised. And when they're hanging around after the circumcision, Simeon and Levi go in and kill them. Because they couldn't defend themselves. This is how vulnerable now the nation Israel is. You can read about it in Genesis 34. You can see how vulnerable they are. This could have been the fate of Israel in Joshua 5. But they're about to enter the land. Circumcision, cutting away the heart of the flesh. God wanted the people whose heart was after the spirit. We know it was a symbolic act because in Deuteronomy 30 verse 6 it says, Circumcise your hearts. It's a matter of the heart, getting rid of the flesh of your heart. No longer desiring the things of the flesh. No longer desiring the things of the world. We spoke about it when we read Romans. And we talked about it. How they, they observed the right, but they didn't do it in the reality. They didn't do it in the spirit that it was meant to be done. They believed that the right of circumcision was perfect for them. And it helped them to come to the Lord and be saved. It wasn't for salvation. You know all the problems that came in the early church when the Judaizers ran around telling the new converts that they had to be circumcised and believe in the law of Moses or they couldn't be saved. And out of that came the Jerusalem Council that we studied in Acts. So it was necessary that they go through the rite of circumcision. All these adult males were circumcised in order to cut away this flesh and signify that now they were going to walk after the Spirit and walk after God's heart. That's what it signifies. They are going to walk after God's heart. God could use them. They didn't do it in the wilderness. They want to declare themselves the people of God, and this was his covenant with them. So not only does Israel cross over the Jordan at a place that's militarily undesirable, right in front of the greatest city in the Nan, they also incapacitate their entire army for several days. But they did this because they trusted in their God. See the faith here? You see the faith that it takes for this to happen? Oh, you want to be a victorious Christian, you have to have this kind of faith. God only asked this of them after he showed his greatness of the Jordan River. When we remember the things and the power that God has done in our lives, we too are willing then to trust him in this radical faith. If you go back and look at what God has done in your life, it'll build up in you a radical faith with a radical obedience, and you will step out. You will step out. What was the result of this radical faith? What was the result of this radical obedience? Well, look at verse 9. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. We said before, Gilgal means rolling away. God rolled away the reproach of Egypt. What reproach? God sent them to Egypt. It was God that sent Jacob down to Egypt. They were there. He sent them down there to build a great nation, which he accomplished. All those who participated along the way in idol worship were dead. Maybe it was because they didn't come into the promised land when they were supposed to. But maybe it's the shame of what they were slaves in Egypt all that time. God calls Israel to a place where they saw themselves as they were in him. And by faith they could see themselves as obedient. And now they were a trusting people, trusting in God. And they would stop seeing themselves as slaves in bondage. That's what we have to do when we come to Christ. We have to see ourselves as God sees us in Christ. We have to see ourselves as freed from sin, freed from the bondage that kept us down, freed from the bondage that enslaved us all those years of our lives. God wants to do this same kind of work in you, in me, in all of us. He wants to do this kind of work. He wants to set us completely free. That's what the abundant life is all about. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. See, sometimes we just say these things, but they don't have any meaning in our hearts. God took away the dishonor. God took away our shame. He took away the previous sin. He took away the rebellion. We need to see ourselves as we are in Jesus Christ. We need to look at ourselves and say, yes, we're in Christ. Paul, I've been crucified with Christ Nevertheless, I live, but not I, but but faith that lives within me. Christ living in me. The oneness we have, that's the victorious life. How was the reproach rolled away? By radical obedience. The reproach was rolled away by radical obedience. How do we have ours rolled away? Radical obedience. How many people that you know, when they find out you believe in Jesus Christ, go, what? You believe in him? You believe in Christ? He died on a cross. And then you actually believe that he was raised from the dead? That's radical faith. That's radical obedience to God. Because to them, it's bizarre. It's radical. It's radical. It's interesting here in verse 10. It says, Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgad, and they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. Really interesting here. At Gilgal now, they remember their redemption. Gilgal comes a place of not only remembering what God had done for them, they're remembering their redemption now. Exodus 12. When is the Passover celebrated? When is the Passover celebrated? The 14th day of the first month. The 14th day of the first month. You can read that in Exodus 12. Here they're celebrating the Passover on the 14th day. You go back and you read over in chapter 4. It tells you that they came over on the 10th day of the first month. So four days later. What do you do on the 10th day of the first month in the Passover? What do you do on the 10th day of the month? You select the lamb on the 10th day of the first month. So here they are celebrating the Passover, in my opinion, 40 years to the day after they celebrated for the first time. Read the scriptures. That's what I'm getting out of that. 40 years to the day they're celebrating the Passover. They hadn't celebrated since they left Egypt. Now they can't redo it, but they're remembering it. They're remembering it with fondness. They're remembering it, that it was a release. When we have communion, we certainly don't want Christ to get back up on that cross. But we remember what He did. We remember how He suffered. And this brings us into a oneness with Him. Verse 12 The manna ceases. They now had to trust God. Remember, God was bringing them into a new relationship. He wasn't going to supply the food anymore like that. But he was still going to provide. God is our provider. Jehovah Jireh, thank you. He is our provider. He provides for us. Jehovah, I am. Jehovah, the becoming one. What do you need God to be? He's the provider. He gives us what we need. First and foremost, he knew we need salvation, so he gave us Jesus Christ. God is our provider. We trusted him. city of Gilgal became a beachhead and a camp for the conquest of Canaan. Every time, like I said, after battle, they would return there. They returned there for remembrance of the memorial. They returned there to remember their obedience and their redemption. We need to have Gilgals in our life. We need to have places that we can go to and remember the promises of God. This might be the best one we ever had right here in front of us. What a beautiful Gilgal this is. We can come to it and read it and understand God's word. As we close out this chapter, Joshua meets a very interesting character in verses 13 through 15. He meets this person. It came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord I have now come. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to a servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandals off your foot. For the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Joshua's out surveying. He's out there looking. He knows that that's the first thing they have to do. He knows they have to begin their conquest with the hardest and toughest city of all, Jericho. So, like a good commander, he's scoping it out. He's out there looking at it, checking it out from afar. I don't know, maybe he's making some sketches. Maybe he's looking at things, seeing where entryways are. I don't know, maybe he's looking to see which house was Rahab's house on one of the walls. I don't know, but he's out there looking. And all of a sudden, there's this guy appears. There's this guy appears. And Joshua says, are you for us or against us? And I love the answer, no. (laughs) No. No. I think the no was there because... The commander was wanted to say, Who are you for? It wasn't the fact that the Lord was on his side? Which side are you on, Joshua? Are you on the Lord's side? Are you on the Lord's side? It was the commander of the army of the Lord. Remember, we talked about being the soldier on Sunday. The abundant Christian is a soldier for Christ in the army of the Lord. Joshua, who are you for? Who are you for? And I love what he says. No, but as commander of the Lord, I've come. Joshua recognizes him. He falls on his face and worships him. Now, if this were an angel, we know from Revelation, when angels are worshiped, what do they do? They stop people from worshiping them. Don't worship me. I'm an angel. It's got to be a theophany. It's got to be an epiphany. It's got to be a pre-incarnation of Jesus Christ. The commander of the army of the Lord. Commander of the army of the Lord. We follow him in the victory. Follow him. I'm here. Praise God. When I'm in the midst of the battle, and I want to hear those words, the Lord says to me, relax, Dave, I'm here. Thank you, Jesus. I want you here. I want you in the midst of the battle. Nay, I want to be behind you during the battle because it's your fight. Go get them. But I love, look at Joshua's response. First of all, he plants himself on the ground and worships. He falls to his face, boom, and worships. What a great position. What a great position to be. It's a fantastic position to be on your face in front of your Lord. Wow. And then the question. The question he asks, what does my Lord say to his servant? Say something to me. It's almost like when Paul, when Paul fell off the horse, When he was knocked off that horse on the Damascus road, what did he say? What do you want me to do, Lord? Same thing. Joshua was saying, what does the Lord, my Lord, say to his servant? I'm here to serve you. I know you're the Lord. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Talk to me. Talk to me. I love that. That is so cool. He had come. Why? Why did he come? Why did he show himself to Israel? Well, he had come with battle plans. He came to give Joshua the battle plans for the next battle. No way to hear those. He had come to give Joshua the battle plans. He'd come to say that before Israel could conquer anything else in the promised land, they had to be conquered by God. God had to be one who leads us all. We're in the abundant life, and sometimes we get in the abundant life, and all of a sudden the victorious Christian says, You know what? I'm being pretty victorious. I don't need you any longer, God. Ooh, rough place to be. Rough place to be. I need to be conquered by God. I need to be on my face before him and saying, Lord, speak to your servant. What do you want me to do? I'm your, your servant, Lord. You're in charge. I'm not. It's a missing element for many of us in the victorious Christian life. We need to be conquered by God. We need to give God to Abraham. We need to recognize him, who he is. I see this in a lot of marriages that come and ask for help. God is not number one in the marriage. I love the fact that in my marriage to Beatrice, I'm number two. I love it because I know Jesus is number one. And that I love that. We need to be conquered by God. How do I do that? How can I become conquered by God? Well, first of all, you need to allow the Holy Spirit to rule and reign in your life. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you into the truth. To guide you into, into Christ's arms to show you these things. God has left us as orphans. He sent us a helper, a comforter. He sent us as someone who comes alongside us, inside us, that will lead us to these things and conform us into the image of Jesus. And we allow the Holy Spirit to have his way in us. This is where the victorious life is. A life of victory. The work in Gilgal has just begun. The work has just begun. And the battle belongs to the Lord. And they're going to follow the Lord's advice. And they're going to, they're going to, they're going to be victorious. But they're going to run into some trouble. As the victorious Christian often does. He runs into trouble now and then. Things happen in our lives. And we make mistakes. But we can overcome them. I love those last four words. I love those last four words. Joshua did so. I want that kind of obedience to my God. I want that to be said. Dave did so, as the Lord said. That's what I want. That's the victorious life that God has given us. To be ever-pleasing to him, because faith is the only thing that pleases him, right? So we need to be ever-pleasing to him. And sometimes we have to have that radical obedience. Sometimes when he tells us to do something, we can't say, Lord, you want me to do What? We have to do it. I challenge you to have that kind of faith. Have that kind of obedience. Next time you feel like God is moving you and leading you into a way maybe that's kind of awkward for you. In a way that maybe you haven't been before. In a way that's kind of, ugh scary. Commander of the army of the Lord is with you. And he will lead you into victory. If we would let him. Amen.
0: God tells us in Joshua 1, nine to be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What encouragement that is. God is with us wherever we go just as he was with his people the Israelites on their journey into the promised land. Do you know the love and strength the Lord can give you? If you haven't yet discovered the power of a personal relationship with Jesus we'd like to tell you more. Please give us a call at 609-884-5821. And we'll be happy to introduce you to the one who will change your life forever. You can also send us an email at info at com. That's info at capewatchradio.com. We'd also like to invite you to get involved in a church community to help fuel your passion for Jesus and support you on this journey. If you are in the Cape May, New Jersey area, why not come by Calvary Chapel, Cape May? We'd love to have you join us for our time of fellowship, worship, and Bible study with Pastor Dave. We gather together every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. You'll find our address and driving directions by visiting our website at capewatchradio.com or by giving us a call at 609-884-5821. We're so glad you tuned in to Cape Watch Radio. Pastor Dave will continue walking verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Joshua when you join us next time. May God bless you today and always.